0: This morning. First Timothy one and verse fifteen, the Bible says this is a faithful, this is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Titus three and eight, the scripture states these words, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And so this is kind of a part two uh, from last week, and we are talking about faithful sayings. Faithful sayings. Hallelujah. Can we bow our head this morning and ask God to touch us again? Lord, we need you, Lord, in the teaching, God, of your word today. Open up our minds and our hearts understanding Lord that we could Lord receive God what you would have God for us this morning that you're able to help us pray God every individual setting under the sound of my voice God that they could be helped Lord and find some strength and guidance Father by your word we know Lord today God that is forever settled I pray God settle it Lord in our hearts and settle it in our hearts God in lives be that sure anchor God that we can hold on to Lord in spite God of what may come or what may go and we'll give you the praise in the glory for it, in Jesus' name, that I pray, Amen and Amen. Everybody, say Amen. amen. You may be seated uh, this morning and trying not to teach all of last Sunday again this Sunday. Faithful, faithful sayings. Uh, there are about uh, five or so, about five times that this uh, phrase is used in the New Testament scripture uh, concerning this is a faithful saying, or otherwise spoken as this is a true. Saying. It's for the most part found among the pastoral epistles of 1st and 2nd Timothy in the book of Titus. It was, and many times he was speaking here to the pastors at which at that time uh, was Timothy who was over F- Ephesus and also Titus who was over Crete. And we learned from last week that these faithful sayings or the word sayings itself whenever is used could uh, be referring to doctrines. These are faithful doctrines or trustworthy doctrines steadfast doctrines one of such that we spent some time on last week there in first timothy chapter one and verse 15 one of the faithful doctrines or trustworthy doctrines that was worthy of all acceptation was that and this is the cardinal truth here christ jesus came into the world to save sinners that's a great doctrine. I like that doctrine personally and it is, it is worthy of all acceptation we learned last week because we all are sinners and so its application is for each and every one of us. There's no one that escapes uh, this particular doctrine doctrine that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners we spent a little concentrated time last week even on I brought in the 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 scripture from the book of Psalms that speaks about David's talking about his God and I told you how it's one of my favorites because it speaks of how the Lord is ready to forgive the Bible plainly says that he's ready to forgive and I told you how God doesn't have to make preparations or arrangements whenever you're in need of forgiveness but at the moment you ask of him he's ready at that point point in time to uh, forgive and because more than likely one of his reasons for coming into the world was to say you and I so he made preparations before he ever came he was going to be ready to forgive yet the personal footnote that Paul puts on verse number 15 of 1 Timothy 1 is interesting within itself because Paul's personal footnote after telling the believers that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners he then just kind of tacks on to the end of this faithful saying of whom I am chief the apostle Paul says of whom I am chief as a matter of fact if you read the context of the scriptures that this verse is found in we find that Paul has already been Thanking the Lord for enabling him to function in the ministry, for being an apostle, a minister of the gospel. He was thankful. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege of being able to operate as a minister of the gospel. And he's extremely thankful, Bishop, as he begins to look through the lens of who he was before he knew God. Yes. And he starts to recall who he was before he knew God. And he's considering that in conjunction with where he is now and how he is functioning and serving as a minister of the gospel. And whenever he looks backward to who he was, he begins to recall that he was was a blasphemer, the scripture says in Timothy. It says that he recalls that he was a persecutor, a harsh persecutor of the Christians. He even speaks of himself as being injurious, if you will, to others. And so looking through the lens of what he had been compared to where he now is creates inside of him a heart of thankfulness, a heart of gratitude of being able to serve through the Lord. And as he looks through that, he, he's appreciative of then of God's mercy. He's appreciative of God's grace and his love and and his faith toward him. And with all of these things in mind about where he once was, where he is now, the mercy, the love, the grace, everything that he has experienced from God, with all those things in mind, he tacks on to the end of there, speaking of sinners of whom I am chief and even have been chief. In other words, Paul is saying... If sins were, were, could categorically be placed on a spectrum from the worst to not so bad, which we as humanity are the ones that make up that spectrum. Right. God doesn't have different levels. Sin is sin. That's the reason why we said last week he, he appealed to uh, that Christ came into the world to save sinners. He didn't just say murderers or just say this or that, but Sinners. It's a big net. It encompasses us all. But if we were to put sin on a scale from the worst to the not so bad categorically, Paul's basically saying, I would have been the worst. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, yes, he did. If there were big or little, he said, I, I would have been the biggest, the chiefest, if you will, of sinners. Amen. And he was emphasizing something in saying that. In other words, if Christ came into the world to save sinners. Christ And if you could put sin on the spectrum from the worst to the not so bad, and I am the worst, and yet now I'm serving in the capacity as a minister of the gospel, having received grace and mercy and love and faith from God. If God has done that in what I consider the worst of sinners' lives, then he's able to do that in any of y'all's lives. That's what Paul was trying to get across. He said, "I I know we're hard on ourselves, aren't we? nobody's done as bad as we've done or some people take the other end of the stick and nobody's been as good as i've been but we won't talk about that this morning but we'll talk about those of you or are negative nobody's done as bad as i've done nobody's messed up like i've messed up no nobody's made the bad decisions like i've made paul says i join in you with that nobody's been any worse amen concerning the sin or a sinner than i he said but christ saved me. Christ reached down to the depth of which I thought I was at and he picked me up out of that and he set me up on a rock to stay so to speak. And if Christ did that for me, honey, Christ can do that for you. He can hallelujah so Paul says I consider my I'm the worst you consider yourself the worst but in all in all Christ saved me Christ can save you and so it's a faithful saying that we constantly need to be spoken of a faithful doctrine that Christ came into the world to save sinners and even if you think you're the worst of sinners Christ is still here to save you Christ is still here and capable and willing even this morning to save you Amen. Paul, see, Paul's recounting all of this now. He's recounting all this stuff. I was Saul. I was well known for my misdeeds, persecuting the church. Had a horrid reputation. Matter of fact, whenever God told Ananias, you know, Ananias go to Paul, Ananias has a little side conversation with God. Now, God, you know, he's been killing people. <laughs> How did I get the lucky straw here of being able to go to talk to this great Paul or Saul at the time? See, he had a reputation in the communities and towns. But whenever Saul was converted to Paul, the hope for every sinner skyrocketed. Because see, this this what Paul did concerning the sin was not something done in a corner somewhere, okay? People knew he had a reputation. And the people that even thought the worst of him in the communities, whenever they seen his life change, they automatically got hope for their own condition, their own life. Amen. So uh, whenever all this happened, here is Paul, of whom I am chief. I'm I'm the chief of sinners. Amen. He, He was just validating, not as though it needed validation, but he was validating that faithful saying, that faithful doctrine that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, if you will, let's go on, or we'll never go anywhere. Let's go on amen to the book of titus chapter number three and verse number eight and again discover another steadfast doctrine here in the scripture and if i may read again titus three and eight it says this is a faithful state saying a, a trustworthy if you will doctrine these things i will that thou affirm constantly it says yes and remember last week i told you all whenever and i'm digressing here for a moment. <laughs> I told you all that whenever the high priest and such got Jesus after the garden of rest and they brought him in, the questions that they had for him was this. They wanted to know about his disciples and they wanted to know about his doctrine. Those were the two things they asked about. And if you remember, Jesus told them, he says, this doctrine that I have, this, this is not something that I, I hid. I spoke of it publicly under, under trees and on mountains and in synagogues and temples. If you want to know about my doctrine, talk to those who heard me. And you remember, there's no better person to ask than those that had heard him, and particularly that would have been his disciples. And yet whenever people started accusing, remember, whenever people started accusing uh, 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 Peter uh, that you were one of them, you're one of his disciples, Peter denied it, remember? And I, I proposed, could it have been possible that some of those people were trying to find a disciple that they could see whether or not what Jesus spoke was what he spoke? About his doctrine. And so we said last week, let it be known that people should be able to come to this church and be able to contact each and every individual one of us and know about the doctrine of the word of the Lord because this thing should not be something that is hid somewhere. Something that we should be constantly talking about. It's not something that we do whenever uh, it's a big snow day and there's ten of us that show up because of the roads are bad. <laughs> we should be able to herald it from the mountaintop whenever we have the biggest crowd concerning the doctrine. And so this is a faithful saying. we got to affirm this constantly. That they which, I'm here in Titus 3, eight again. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Note the words here of Paul to this pastor Titus. Amen. He, he, he shares the phrase here that this is a faithful saying again or a common saying. Uh, this was something that was repeated over and over again. Something doesn't become a faithful saying unless it's repeated again. And it's not a one time uh, ever mentioned. It's something that's spoken over and over. And you say, well, that's a good saying or so on and so forth. And so this was something that was repeated over and over again. And he told them that this is an item that you must affirm constantly. He addresses them, as a pastor, this is something you gotta talk about regularly. Amen. And the admonition, the wording of the admonition is important. He says, if you have believed in God, or if you have faith in God, be careful to maintain good works. It's our responsibility to maintain good works. He even tells us, bishop, to do so carefully. In other words, this, this demands our attention. This is not a haphazard thing. This is something that you gotta have some attention. You've got to do this. Carefully, And so it should be no surprise that we are reminded to do this on a regular basis. It's a common saying that we must share constantly. So we got a, a couple of faithful sayings here that are going then, or faithful doctrines, if you will. Number one, Jesus came to save sinners, if I just put it in a nutshell. Jesus came to save sinners. Number two, listen to me now. I'll try to put this in a, a smaller package rather than some long sentence with thou's and thou arts and all that else in there preaching produces working disciples preaching produces working disciples the progression here in Titus kind of goes like this whenever you start in the book of Titus the book of Titus in the beginning uh, brings us really to the point of chapter number 3 because in chapter number 1 he he begins to tell Titus as a pastor he says pastor you got to have the right leadership in the church This is basically what he's telling them in chapter 1. You've got to have the right leadership in the church. Then he goes to chapter 2 and he tells them, he says, he begins to break down some of these different segments of a church. He begins to tell them how some of the older men are to live. He admonishes him. Tells him how some of the younger men, he says, older men are to live a certain way. Younger men are, are this is what is expected of them and how they should live. Older women, uh, this is what's expected. The younger women, uh, uh, slaves, uh, he, he begins to break down all these different uh, pieces or segments of, of church life, if you will, and says this is what is expected of them and how they should live. And and everybody is to live in a certain way to put put God's saving power on display, so to speak, and, and, and represent present it well because he says then in verse number 5 I believe it is of chapter 2 he says they they are here's the way everybody should live and here's the reason why so the word of God be not dishonored said old men should act like this and young ladies and older women these should act like this so that the word of God be not dishonored in verse (laughs) number 8 and he says you should do all of this is the reason why we set this up so that it will silence the opponents who want to criticize your faith So there's always somebody looking to lay a finger on it. He said, but if you conduct yourselves in the way that I have admonished, he says, this this will silence the critics. Leave them less room to find a point of contention. Amen. And in verse 10, he says another reason why we need to do this, he says, we we need to basically says, adorn (laughs) ourselves, clothe ourselves with the doctrine of God as a saving God in every aspect of our life he's capable of saving and so he brings all of that here we're putting in order the right leadership this is the way people should live and and then he comes to chapter 3 and it says it's also important now not only how you live in the church but how you live in the world Titus he's a pastor here in Crete he lives on the island of Crete and crete crete is just not the uh goody tissue island of the water they're they're just flat out displeasing to god scripture tells us the bible tells us of their description in titus 1 the bible calls them liars and i'm not saying I, the bible says this Call them the cretians liar evil beast is how it describes them slow bellies you're slow belly. Uh, that's probably relating to the idea that they were gluttons, but slow bellies. Amen. <laughs> now, I don't want to start hearing that terminology around here. <laughs> You're slow belly. There's got her no good in nothing but a slow belly. But these are the type of people, this is how the Lord uh, described them, how Paul was even describing them to Titus. And so, here were the actions of the Christian Christians in the world of titus 1 and verse number 16 the bible says here's how the christian Christians were they profess or say that they know god oh, yeah. right. but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate So we have the Christian island that's kind of displeasing overall but even the Christian Christians haven't quite got it all together because they're professing to know God but by their works they're denying Him. In other words, here they had a problem. The faithful saying, the trustworthy saying, the trustworthy doctrine that was combating this was this, that if you believe God, he said, be careful to maintain good works he's trying to combat this because they're saying we know God we profess that we know God but their works did not collaborate with what they were saying and so he was basically telling them don't allow your works or your lack of works thereof don't allow that to, for you to deny your faith in God so the apostle gives us an illustration that we can relate to in the book of James, I believe. And it drives home the point of this belief and work stuff, saying and basically telling us that if you believe, if you believe without there being any proof of what you believe, it's kind of like this. If you say you believe or you have faith, remember the little dissertation in James that faith without works is dead. All right. So he says, you know, you, you show me your faith by your works. You understand? So he says, if you have faith, then you're going to have works that accompany that and prove that. You, in fact, do have faith. And he goes on to tell a story to illustrate how this could be. He says, if you see somebody there that is naked and you say, be clothed, you know what? They're still naked. He says, if you see somebody there hungry and you say, be filled, guess what? They're still hungry. He says, if you got a profession, he says, if you got a faith, He says, your works is going to bring some type of completion to all that. So he says, so it would be like if someone was saying to a person uh, that's naked, be clothed, and to one that's hungry, be fed, but not doing anything about it. What profits out of all that? If you really think that they need to be clothed, it takes more than just saying be clothed. It takes doing something about it. If you really think that the hungry should be fed, it takes more than being saying be filled. You really got to do something about it. And so he says, likewise, you saying you got faith in God, it takes more than just saying that. You got to do something. you got to do something about it because if you don't, it's still in the condition that it was prior to your profession. Amen. Uh So to begin with and to end with, what good or what profit is a profession of belief that does nothing? What is the use of our words to the naked and to the poor if they remain naked and poor? And so here in Titus 3, Paul says that Titus is to continually remind the christian the the christian christians who have a profession that's almost a tongue twister they have a profession but their works are denying what's going on you continually remind them because they need to bring their what works up to par with their confession and their profession of their faith and look to continually remind the christian christians to continually be in a state of readiness all right to maintain be careful Readiness, preparedness as a good Christian citizen to carry out some good works. In other words, continually be. Let let it be a habitual practice. Let it be their lifestyle. It's not something they just do on the weekend. Let it be their lifestyle. Paul's just told Titus that, he says, we were once, he says, listen, he's just told him this. He said, Titus, we were once foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We served anything that pleased our lusts. And you can read it in Titus in chapter 3 we did anything that served our lust and our pleasures we lived in malice we lived in envy this is how we lived life we were once hateful and we were hating other people plainly speaking if we can go back to it Titus you and I all of us were once what? sinners but good news faithful saying number one Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners but Paul continued to tell Titus how we were saved in Titus chapter number 3. He tells them that by God's mercy were we saved. He tells them that by the washing of regeneration, we were saved. You can look at it. If I'm pointed out to you in verse number 5 of Titus 3, by the washing of regeneration were we saved. By a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Uh So He's telling Titus how we were saved. Amen. So... After he says all these things, he comes to the term and says, this is a faithful saying, and these things that I will that thou affirm. In other words, you need to constantly talk about, and there needs to be constantly coming from your lips as a preacher, the preaching of the salvation message. Of how people go from being sinners, of what is needful and necessary for salvation. So you need to constantly affirm the preaching of the salvation message, the gospel. Amen. In general, you need to keep talking about the Bible. You need to keep talking about the word. Because the more you talk about the Bible and not your personal philosophy, the more you talk about the no-so rather than you think so, The more you talk about the Word and share with those Christians the Word of God, the preaching of the Word, the preaching of the Gospel, the preaching of salvation, that will ensure in their lives good works. Because you can't keep pumping God's Word, amen, and good, good principles of His Word and salvation message without somewhere along the way somebody gets it and they begin to maintain good works. You can't keep talking about it with somebody starting to act upon it. See, some of the problem in America is people have grown silent on talking about it. And that's the reason why good works ain't being maintained because nobody's talking about it. But I have an admonition from God as Paul did to Titus. As a pastor, I got to keep preaching about salvation. I got to keep preaching about this gospel. I got to keep preaching about these things in this book from Genesis to Revelation because in doing so, that equips the saints to maintain carefully good works. Not just in here, but outside. Outside of here. So if I could state it differently today, what Paul was telling Titus, the surest way to produce disciples full of good works is to keep on preaching the gospel. Remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 and 17. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, and that's not talking about without fault, it just means whole, mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If I can just cut out some of the extra and get to all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable to the man of God thoroughly furnishing not just he but those that hear him unto good works you subtract that scripture that is inspired of God and you'll be missing out on good works being performed in the saints of God somebody hearing me because they go together God's Word and the production of good works in our lives is a result of having His Word in our lives and when we get cheap on His Word and dilute His Word, you get cheap on works and diluted good works Amen So it's profitable for all these things equipping us, though one of them for good works God's Word is a wonderful tool in helping us maintain good works. So the salvation message and good works we seek to maintain them, they are very important and verse number 8 of Titus 3 tells us they are good, look at the final uh, uh, sentence there in verse number 8 of Titus 3, they are good these things are good and profitable unto men so don't don't Please don't hint to me that our works are non-important. Because the Scripture even said itself, these things, what these good works that we're careful to maintain that the preacher is telling me constantly about, they are good and profitable unto you and I. And the next verse I believe is perhaps just as rich because it tells us some things that we should avoid. Sometimes it's not only good to know what we should do, but it's sometimes good to know what we shouldn't do. <laughs> Kids have a wonderful time playing around with that one. Well, you didn't tell me I couldn't do that. It's like you had got to tell them what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And I don't know if you ever had a problem like that with your Christian life yourself. God, you never told me I didn't have to do. Uh, I couldn't do that. <laughs> he says, just, just to, you know, just because he has a little foresight here. Here's what you should avoid. In verse number nine, but avoid foolish questions. And genealogies, it's not saying nobody can trace their family tree, but they were using their genealogies as as though they had some type of better qualification or they were more uh, reputable than other people. They were using it as a pride thing. And he says, avoid, avoid contentions. I kind of, I'm starting, you know, if I was Titus as a pastor, I'm kind of liking this list, you know. (laughs) Avoid foolish questions, that's a great one. (sighs) let me clue you in on something if you ever text me or uh, send me a voicemail or an email and it has a question and I never get back with you on it thus and so (laughs) glory amen hallelujah Jesus And, and, and avoid contentions I like that I'm, I can deal with that as a pastor and avoid strivings you know, about the law for they look now look at what these things he tells them to avoid here's the classification that the maintain good works good and profitable these other things that you should avoid look where they fall unprofitable vain. you know we're not going to take out you know after we're done with the book of Daniel we're not going to take out a Wednesday night Bible study about whether or not Adam and Eve had belly buttons all right I don't think a Wednesday night Bible study is worth. Uh, The discussion, and that's all it would be. There would never be a resolution concerning that. But the discussion about whether or not Adam and Eve had belly buttons. (laughs) Even if there is an answer, what kind of help would that really provide for you concerning salvation of mankind? Brother or sister, I want you to know Jesus loves you and Adam had a belly button. (laughs) It's just, it's unprofitable. It's vain. It's empty. Amen. You'll see throughout the book of Titus that work seems to be the, the works, the idea of work seems to be a theme throughout Titus. And so we look then in verse number 14 of Titus 3. How does verse 14 then connect? How does verse 14 connect with all this? The phrase is the same in this verse as it was in verse number 8. He speaks to them. Um, in verse number 14, and let ours also learn to maintain, here it is again, maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. And so Paul's saying that the the, the Cretans should learn and would learn to be, he wants them to be useful to the kingdom of God. They're they're getting saved on this despicable island and they got professions and they need to, you know, kind of sure that up because I want them to be useful to the kingdom of God. I don't want them to be unfruitful. I want them to be useful. I, mean, I want them to be able to lend their talents and their abilities and be able to put them in places that we have need of their talents and their varied abilities. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 6 and 8, Whenever the the day that we uh, uh, often quoted Scripture about uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. And this is in that setting of Scripture. It goes on, and Isaiah says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord. So he didn't just see the Lord high uh, and exalted on His throne, but he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom? Christ is saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I. Isaiah spoke up. Here am I. Send me. He just said whom, it was very vague, very vague, but he just needed someone. And so Isaiah did not receive a, a, a specific call, it wasn't that God said Isaiah, no, he just said whom, but Isaiah was sensitive to the need, amen, he a prophet and he's serving in some com- capacity and he, he's, he's a child of God, so to speak, so Isaiah wasn't just seeing the Lord, but he also heard the voice of the Lord. And that there was a need that was there. And so Isaiah said, hey, hey, oh, woo, over here. Send me. Didn't even know what was the need. But he said, hey, if it's a part of the kingdom, if God has desiring someone to fill the slot, count me in. Send me. Well, what's the deal with Isaiah. And he's trying to get an edge out before anybody else. I don't believe that for one moment. I believe it just showed somebody that didn't just want to be fruit hanging on the tree with no purpose. It was somebody that said, hey, I want to be a part of this. I'm eager to do something. I got saved for a purpose. It was more than just to get to heaven. We can do some things along the way on our trip heavenward and that's what Isaiah Isaiah says "I I got a desire here for that matter I got a God given desire I believe God has given me some abilities and I just want to put them to use for the kingdom some good works here and all that really brings me then to the third faithful saying trustworthy doctrine if you will, that the apostles spoke of in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 1. This is kind of obscure because it starts out as this is a true saying, but that word true comes from the same word that all the other words faithful came from. All right, so it's in essence the saying. It is a true saying or a faithful saying. And this seems kind of obscure, but just stay with me. If a man desire the office of a bishop, amen, he desireth a good work let me state it like this they were concentrating on the office of a bishop but let me put it in real basic and general terms if I could say it like this it's good to desire a functioning position in the church where you may be able to participate in that church can I say it just as simply as that so we got got some faithful doctrines going on here Jesus came to save sinners All right. Preaching produces working disciples. Number three, if I boil this one down, let's say it like this. A good work follows a God-given desire. A good work follows a God-given desire. If you'll turn with me to Exodus 36, or they'll have it there on the screen for you more than likely. But Exodus 36, in verse number one, what's taking place here in the book of Exodus all preparations and arrangements are being made for the building of the tabernacle that's in the wilderness Uh, the pattern has been given to Moses Moses now is voicing the will of God to the people he's sharing that desire with the people and so uh, some things are starting to be gathered for the purpose of constructing the tabernacle and the Bible says in Exodus 36 and 1 so there's some workers now here and the Bible says then Ra Bezalel and Ohaliab, and every wise-hearted man, so it names two in particular, but then kind of just as a name, every wise-hearted man, in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. Now, it's important so we got a couple individuals called out by name, but then there's other very wise-hearted individuals. The Bible says, "God put inside of these men and women because there was some that did the, the knitting and the sewing of the veils of the blue and the scarlet and the cherubim that were in there. So God put inside of these individuals wisdom and understanding to know how to do what they were doing." The Lord put that wisdom and understanding in these men. Otherly stated, God gave them those talents. God gave them those abilities for the purpose, for the service of the sanctuary. Now, prior to this time, they might have thought it was just to be a good blacksmith. Prior to this time, they thought maybe it was just to be a good carpenter in their community. But when the need of the holy God arose, the real purpose for those talents and and abilities being in their lives was exposed. God put those there. Not just to be a good carpenter on 5th and ninth, but to do the manner for the service, all the works of the manner for the service of God's sanctuary. God put those talents and abilities in them for the service of the sanctuary. And so what we must ask ourselves as Christians today, we must ask ourselves, what talents and what abilities has God given to me? And then we must ask ourselves, how am I supposed to be using this talent? And how am I supposed to be using this ability for the service of his sanctuary? Uh Uh-huh. How am I supposed to be using this for the benefit of, of the church that I attend. Right. Amen. Look at first Chronicles fifteen, verse twenty two. I'll be mindful of you, Time. We're doing okay, I think. First Chronicles fifteen, verse twenty two. And Kenaniah, chief of the Levites, was for song. He instructed about the song because he was skillful and if I may tack my words in parentheses on the end of that he was skillful for the song see the setting of Scripture here is that David now has prepared a place for the ark of God kind of a little crude in preparations it's just a tent all right but he's made preparations for the ark of God he knew everything that needed a company that ark of God. He's making preparations, if you will, for the presence of the Lord. And so he made sure everything was in the proper place, that he had everything that was needed. And the Bible says, Kenaniah was for song. And he instructed about the song. Why? We ask why? Because Kenaniah was skillful for the song. In other words, usually if you don't have a natural ability towards something, you desire to do, Whatever that is, if you have a natural ability, if if your natural ability is carpentry, uh, you want to do something along the lines of carpentry. You have a desire to do that. If it seems like you have a special knack, ladies, for knitting, then you probably have a desire, perhaps, to pick up those knitting, whatever they're called, needles, and go up woo way with some of that yarn whatever it is that you have. Or, or if, if men, you, you like working with your hands, then you have a desire usually then toward doing that type of thing. So, so you usually have a desire toward whatever it is that you, you have the ability for or that you're skillful for. And so with that being the case, the Bible says that, that Kenaniah was skillful in song and therefore he probably had a desire to sing because that was his knack. All right? That was his thing. So he had a desire to sing. Therefore... His good work of instructing singers followed his God given desire, ability, talent, if you will, of singing. God put that desire, that knack, that talent or ability inside of Kenaniah for singing. And we see them then in the house of the Lord, employed by David, if you will, for the purpose of teaching the singers. Jesus said in New Testament Scripture in Matthew chapter number 10, he said freely you received, freely give. So I put these things inside of you, not for you just to hoard up. I got a knack for these things and just having knowledge that you got that is not good enough. He's given you those things for the purpose of being able to freely give. You've received those things for the purpose of freely being able to give. If you'll stand with me this morning, I'll, I'll come here and I'll hasten to a close, but... In 1 Peter 4, in verse number 11, the Bible states these words, and I close with this this morning. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, which basically means serve, if any man serve, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion. Forever and ever. I still got two more faithful sayings we got to get to perhaps next week. But to look at some of these doctrines, the sure, steadfast things, Jesus Christ came into the world. He came to save sinners. Number two, preaching produces working disciples. You dilute the preaching, you dilute the maintaining of good works among all of us. And thirdly, listen. So see how there's a connection with this stuff. All right. There's a connection with this stuff. The preaching doesn't just happen until a person gets saved and then falls off. The preaching endures after they get saved to provoke them to good works. And then a good work will follow a God-given desire. placed places talents and abilities inside of people all across this nation that have them before they ever come to the Lord. And they thought it was for their business. They thought it was for that. But in reality, he's waiting for the day that the sinner gets saved And then the talent and the ability is employed for the service of his sanctuary and his kingdom. Good work follows a God-given desire. If we can bow our heads in this place this morning, amen, and we'll pray together here today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you